This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Jim Kawakami. Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording from the home studio. Very glad to have on as my guest, frequent guest, a uh, very, very excellent guest as always, uh, the president of baseball operations for the San Francisco Giants, Farhan Zaidi. Farhan, how you doing today? Hey Tim, doing well, looking forward to getting down to Arizona next week. Yeah, I mean, stuff's happening. It always seems to start earlier and earlier than, you know, the major league guys get down there. You, I guess you have like a mini camp um, for, mm-hmm. for select players. Uh, I'll, I'll just, you know, Try not to ask the same questions you've been answering for quite some time now, but we will go over <laughs> a little bit, hopefully in a different way. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, but I'll just ask to you, as this next season begins, how would you characterize this last offseason? Certainly a lot was going on emotionally. A lot was going on headlines. You signed a bunch of players that 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 really seemed to fit the Giants model, the Farhan Zaidi front office model. But there was a couple players you didn't end up with. As you look back on it, Farhan, as you start this next season, how would you characterize this last offseason? Um, I guess eventful would be the most neutral way to describe <laughs> it. But I would say as far as our mindset now, uh, there's a lot of optimism in the organization. And to me, that was something fun about FanFest this past weekend is, you know, putting putting the mics in the players' hands finally and uh, letting them talk about their excitement for the coming season and uh, how good they feel about the group that we have. So, you know, it's one thing to hear from the, you know, front office or the manager, uh, you know, uh, talking about their enthusiasm for the roster. But I think when fans hear from the players themselves, you know, has a different kind of credibility. And so I thought that was really cool. Our, our, our guys are fired up and um, think that we can, you know, accomplish some special things this year. So, you know, again, after an eventful offseason, that's very much uh, everyone's mindset. We'll get to some of that events, I'm sure. But y- you look at the guys you ended up with, Hanniger, Manaya, Conforto, uh, Rogers. These are guys that I would have, like, written down for you as likely prospects. They just seem <laughs> to fit, right? Is that Did you have them down early as, man, you know, they really fit what we're trying to do here? Was there a specific or case or two where you said this was the top of our, you know, not – Money aside, right? You, you always, you never know in negotiation, but that just seemed to fit your roster preferences or fit your roster. Yeah, you know, I would say one common thread in the free agent additions that we made is they're all guys that we've had, you know, long track record of interest in. You know, you look at someone like Michael Conforto. We had talked about signing him last off season before. It turned out that he needed surgery on his shoulder. You know, Mitch Hanniger being a local guy and just a really good fit for our roster is someone we had talked about trading for a lot with the Mariners, you know, as they went through the ups and downs of rebuilding and then having their team consolidate and 
making the playoffs last year. So his availability kind of fluctuated as their team circumstances did. Um, you know, Stripling, Manaya, Luke Jackson, obviously Taylor Rogers. They're they're all guys that we have a track have had a track record of interest in. So I guess I'm uh, feeling a, a little called out for being predictable <laughs> with the guys <laughs> yeah, that we so predictable, in. so they predictable in our model. But uh, you know, I, I think you have more of a sense of assurance about your evaluations and about pursuing players when you've had interest in them for a while. I mean, the opposite of that is when you're a little bit on your heels late in the off season and you get, you get a you know, call from an agent about a player and you say, Hey, maybe we should have interest in this guy. That, that, that's a little bit more uncomfortable because then you feel like you're being very reactionary. So, um, you know, despite the fact that, you know, as we've alluded to, we had to pivot a couple of times this off season, we still wound up with a group of free agents that we had a lot of track record of interest in. Well, let's talk about a couple of guys maybe you did not end up with, which you might have talk, answered a few questions about over the last few months. Uh, the Aaron Judge chase, which I always seem like you, you got to be in it, but maybe the right. Yankees was was going to be the one that was going to be very hard to top. But we can talk about Correa, too. Um, I, I don't know if anyone's asked you this, but Farhan, it, it was certainly tough on the fan base to see the Correa news break. You know, you guys did not announce it, but it, it broke that he was coming and then the delay and then he's not coming. Farhan, what's that like for you? You, you, you go through all this. You land this player. I'm sure there was great excitement. It certainly was a dollar commitment, but you you know Carlos Correa is going. You're picturing him in the Giants uniform, and then you don't get him. I mean, I know it's not just you, 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 and you've got to move to the next thing. But for yourself, when you heard the first news from your doctors that this might not be the thing to do, what was your reaction? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's interesting, Tim. We we in our line of work. We deal with this sort of thing all the time, right? Players having complications on their physicals or even failing physicals. When you consider not just major league deals, but minor league deals and, and international signees and guys that we draft in the domestic draft, every organization deals with this kind of circumstance uh, five or 10 times a year. Um, but um, this is obviously the first time it's happened with a player getting a $300 million guaranteed deal. So I think, you know, in the moment I, I as you can imagine, just thought, uh, you know, this is going to have a lot of ripple effects and it's going to be a difficult situation to manage, you know, beyond just feeling the disappointment that, you know, this could, could very well wind up with us not landing the player. Although again, in that moment, as, usually happens in these cases you sort of find a a different path to a deal when something like this comes up so i i did sort of you know it was a little overwhelming to think about the ripple effects not necessarily just from a pr standpoint which honestly that wound up taking a life of its own in a way that uh i think was a little bit more than we anticipated but even just the inner workings having to you know, call Scott Boris and and give him the news and uh, just managing the logistics and the implications and what it did to our offseason game plan. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's a a flood of thoughts and emotions uh, right when I heard the news. I don't want to belabor just the, but you mentioned logistics of it. There's one thing that does stand out to me as an unanswered question. Uh, You 
I know it was you 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 blame you you've accepted responsibility for putting out that announcement that the press conference was was happening didn't say his name but we all knew what it was and it wasn't a secret but that was the morning of the day before the expected press conference and then the postponement of the press conference didn't happen till the morning that it was supposed to happen yet I'm pretty sure you indicated that you there were indications earlier the previous day why didn't the postponement come earlier far was it trying to put together a deal was it not sure maybe we will go through this deal but why the delay in the postponement yeah i mean we we had conversations you know late into the night on um, monday night i guess that was and you know it became increasingly less likely that uh we were going to be able to proceed with the deal either as planned or would have time to revise it in a way that was acceptable to both parties. So, you know, it, 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 rather than just having a discrete point, I suppose right when, uh, you know, we, we first heard that there was an issue, um, we could have just made the decision then. Uh, but, you know, after that point, it was sort of just like a slow decline in the chances that this was going to happen. And, um, you know, really, by the time we wrapped up for the evening, it was sort of the middle of the night, and we just thought it would maybe even be stranger to 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 send out a communication like that about the postponement in the middle of the night rather than first thing in the morning. So, you know, in hindsight, should we have um, postponed it? You know, as soon as we heard there was some issue, you know, maybe, but we kind of wanted to operate in good faith and see if there was a way to. Um, you know, get to the finish line before that press conference was scheduled. And, you know, again, in hindsight, you know, knowing how things unfolded, uh, you know, in the days and weeks and even months since then, that was probably an unreasonable hope to have. So, you know, perhaps we should have just um, acted, you know, quicker in, in, in rescheduling it. But again, the reason we didn't was kind of acting in good faith to, to try to get something done and get the issue resolved. You mentioned, you know, maybe the ripple effects. Did, did it change in any significant way the way you approached the rest of your offseason? Not getting him, I mean to say. Yeah, I, I mean, look, we, we certainly had room to, you know, add another position player like, like Michael Conforto, who I'm not sure we would have added if we had brought in Carlos just because, you know, one of you, you want to talk about ripple effects. One of the, uh, as much as we love Carlos as a player, uh, you, you know, it was uh, him coming in at shortstop and, uh, you know, was going to change Brandon Crawford's role and him being more in the mix of other infield spots was going to change other players' role. So there was a pretty big uh, ripple effect just in terms of the roster and what that would mean. And, and, you know, in some ways, just adding an outfielder like Conforto was a better fit and kind of kept everybody else uh, in the right spot. So um, it, it did create a little bit more of an adjustment. We had a little bit more latitude to add on the pitching side in a way we might not have if we had finished that deal. So, again, I, I, we as a, a baseball group got a lot of support from our ownership, not just to, uh, you know, try to consummate that deal and, you know, what we had offered uh, to Aaron Judge as well, but then also to pivot um, to other signings to make us as competitive as possible in 2023.
Yeah, but what I'm looking at, you did bring the 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 payroll up to like almost 200. Well, I mean, almost 195, I guess, is the number I saw, and that's that's like 30 plus 30 million or so from the previous season. Is that about where you were going to go? You know, whether it was with Judge or Correa, or maybe a little higher with them. But are you about at the number that it was kind of looked at that to to get to this season? Yeah, I, I think we anticipated the payroll going up just as. Uh, you know, we sort of moved past what we considered uh, a, a time of transition for us as an organization. And, um, you know, again, are, are, are really trying to be as competitive as possible in an NLS. So I, I know it's not a satisfying answer for people like uh, you trying to uh, nail down exactly what the payroll number was, but it was a little bit of a range. And, you know, there are certain players in certain circumstances where you have more flexibility and make more of an exception. And, and there are others where you operate within a more defined parameter. So, um, you know, one of the uh, sort of ways that uh, people are looking at total spending and free agency is just the total amount of dollars committed. But, um, you know, we have a lot of shorter term deals. And I, I think if you look at the rankings in terms of increase in, in payroll year over year where we're even higher than we are um, on the sort of total spending ranking. So um, that is a little bit of a wrinkle. I mean, you talk about, um, you know, some of these, you know, mega deals for 300 million plus, they're over 9, 10, 11, 12 years. And when that spending is more concentrated in a two or three year period, it's, it's a bigger strain on your payroll. So I'm glad that we were still able to move and, and make the additions we, we did. Another kind of out there question, but we always look to the next year are, are having offered 300 million plus, I assume to two players, uh, is there uh, next season, there could be a huge free agent out there or two, uh, is, is there room in the giants calculus to say, okay, we can do this again. Well, I'm probably already going to get a call from major league baseball on for, for talking about other teams, players as I've, I've, I've had to a lot over the last month. So uh, it's one thing to talk about guys that just signed. It's another thing to talk about guys who are free agents a year from now. But um, the theoretical guys, theoretical, hypothetical, <laughs> totally hypothetical. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, again, I we, I think our 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 ownership has, has demonstrated uh, their support for any of these pursuits that that we think make sense. And um, and again, I, I, even though. I think at some point fans get tired about hearing your payroll flexibility. We do have a lot of that. I mean, we have short-term deals and uh, it allows us to kind of reconfigure and reimagine the roster and the payroll every off season. And, and that'll certainly be true going into next off season. I mean, I, I always say great fan passion is great. I mean, you're going to go through the ups and downs, but you'd rather have that than not have that. I mean, you probably experienced the lower end of that this off season and, and, and that's okay. I appreciate that you do speak to us through this. Um, but I guess I, I would say the big picture thing I can understand for fans is where's the progression, right? What, year one was this, year two was this, year three, you went 107, year four, you go back to 81, 81, and, and there's hope, whether it's outside hope, but I'm sure there was internal hope because you, you did agree to a deal across Korea that there would be a major step up this season. Can you plot out? I mean, I know it doesn't go always yeah. normally, but can you plot out where you think this this is in year five of the of the Zaidi regime? Yeah, I think that's a totally fair question, and uh, you know, I referenced some of the player comments 
uh, at FanFest, but leading up to FanFest, you know, kind of doing media and that sort of thing. And, you know, something Brandon Crawford stood out to me. He talked about how he feels better about our team going into this season than he felt about, you know, the, the team going into the 21 season. Uh, I don't think that was him predicting we were going to win 108 games, but um, I think he's just, you know, to just general feeling like we have sort of more confidence where we are in an organization. We, you know, kind of, kind of continue to make additions to what we think is a good team. And it sort of reminded me of a conversation I had with Gabe Kapler, you know, probably in the middle of May of 2021, when we really started to get on a roll with that 21 team. And, you know, I just said to him like, Hey, like we're, we're a really good team. And he was like, yeah, look, I've been thinking of the same thing because, um, you know, it, it did kind of come out of nowhere. We, you know, 2019 was my first year. It was a little bit of a transition. You know, the COVID season was a weird year. And again, I think I, I still asterisk that season as, you know, we're probably going to be the last team in Major League Baseball history to miss out on the playoffs due to a tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the one year uh, they had those circumstances. We got as close as you could have gotten uh, without making it in. And I still have a what if in my head because our our pitching staff was pitching extremely well. I think we actually would have been pretty dangerous in the 2020 playoffs. And then we had the 21 season and, and last year, uh, you know, there were, there was some question about whether 2021 would carry over and we got off to a 13 and five start. And, you know, for, for the first two or three months in the season, we were solidly in the playoff race. And, you know, we had two bad months, July and August, uh, you know, the dog days, uh, I think our defense, which had been a struggle all year, and our bullpen, which had led the league in ERA in 21 um, and and was an area of weakness for us, in, you know, in all candor, last year caught up to us. And, uh, you know, we, we just lost ground and, and, and wound up, you know, to your point, finishing at 500. So I still look at it as a steady climb and, and I don't think anybody in the organization would tell you that, you know, the 2021 team was a, was a 107 win team. I think we all felt like a lot went right that year and we played a little bit above expectations and, and even the individual abilities of the team. And I think last year we played below it. I think we, you know, you, you play that season over a hundred times and a lot of times we're going to be in that, 85 to 95 win range and, and and be a playoff team. But we are at the point now where we expect to make the playoffs every year. And, um, you know, the, the two years prior to my joining the organization, we were 50 games under 500, um, uh, you know, over those two years. And, and last year we were 500 and, you know, <laughs> the fan sentiment makes you feel like we're 50 games under. And I think that's, um, you know, function of expectations and, and, and the evolution of expectations. So, which we embrace to your point, um, that fan passion, I would rather have that than indifference or apathy any day. And, um, you know, that's our, our, that's a concern for us. We want the fans to be engaged. We, we hope we see a lot of fans at the ballpark this year. And we think if we're a good team, uh, which we believe we will be, um, then the fans will come out and support this group. Now, you, you're going into your fifth year. You originally signed a five-year contract. Uh, can we assume that you, your contract's been extended past the season? I mean, do you have a contract beyond <laughs> this season? 
Uh, I'm not going to comment on that. I, I appreciate the question um, and, uh, you know, just generally appreciated the, uh, you know, public and private support from ownership. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm not going to comment beyond that. Uh, I just say I will say that. I mean, don't you think fans should know whether the the guy running baseball operations has a contract beyond the season? Uh, that that's really not my uh, not my place to say. I understand uh, what you're saying, but you know, my my job is uh, to you know put together the best team, the best roster I can, not just for the present, but for the future as well, as long as I'm in that role. And, and that's how I see it. So I understand your question, just not sort of my, my place to answer that. Okay. Well, we'll get into another possibly uh, interesting topic here is the, is the farm system. And we know that's the, the path to a very healthy franchise. That's where the great teams just, just roll out interesting players, either to place right into the, to the roster or to, to trade to get better players. Uh, we've, you and I've discussed this, that there's was a down year for the giant system last year. Uh, ha- have you tweaked anything? Have you retooled or reassessed where your system is? What happened? Or are you just as fully confident in the line of prospects you've got coming in as you've been? Yeah, I think there's enthusiasm when we look at our um, list of non-roster invites for, for spring training this year, it's, you know, got guys like Kyle Harrison and Casey Schmidt and Von Brown and, and some of the recent draftees who have moved pretty quickly through the system. Um, you know, so I, frankly, you know, we, we as an organization really over the last 10 years have, um, you know, not had a great run, especially at the top of the draft, first round draft picks, which I know has been a topic of conversation. And, you know, for us, uh, one of the big frustrations has been just that a lot of those guys haven't been healthy. Hunter Bishop, who we drafted in 2019, has missed some time. Patrick Bailey missed some time uh, over the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, Will Bednar, really excited about, has been slowed by by back issues, and um, and uh, you know, and, and that's really inhibited their progress and, and, and our ability to sort of evaluate these guys. So, um, uh, you know, not that we aren't constantly auditing ourselves, how we're making these decisions, how we evaluate players. And again, our, our evaluations are very collaborative process, but, um, you know, ultimately that pipeline, I mean, it's great to hit on some guys further down the draft, but, um, you know, we're very aware that we've had a run of first round picks that um, haven't injected, you know, youth and, and production into our major league roster the way you would like. And so, um, you know, hoping and we've talked about this some, you know, 2022 was a was a down year for us, not just from a production standpoint, in the farm system, but also from a uh, health standpoint. And Again, I, I, I don't want this to be an overarching theme because we've got a lot of success stories and I think we've got a number of players who are going to help us in 2023. But getting those guys back on the field, particularly that group of first-round picks, I think uh, will be really 
telling and will help us make a better evaluation on them. Now, every team had to deal with this, but was there, uh, you know, some kind of problems de- you know, dealing with some of the injuries, whatever, during the lockout last season, Farhan, when you really couldn't talk to anybody? Uh, w- was that part of this? And again, every team had to deal with this and other teams certainly are graduating a lot of prospects. I'm not saying this is an excuse for whatever, but did, did you find yeah. some problems with that? Yeah, I do think the development path, to your point, look, uh, every every team has their own pipeline, their own challenges, their own successes. I think industry-wide, we have seen that, you know, we had the 2020, uh, you know, COVID season, and, and that was really a lost year developmentally for a lot of players. Um, then you had 2022, and uh, you know the lockout over the off season and our and our really inability to communicate with players, uh, to, for coaches to work with guys. I mean, I think about a guy like Joey Bart, um, you know, and how the last three years have impacted his development. Um, you know, 2020 should have been a season where he got a lot of AAA at bats and you know graduated to the big leagues in September and maybe played behind, uh, you know, Buster uh, during that month as an apprenticeship. And, you know, instead he was at the alternate site and, uh, you know, came up and, and, and struggled and then was back in AAA in 21. And then, you know, 22 was going to be a big year for him uh, with Buster's retirement. And again, the lockout limited our ability to communicate with him. So, I think when you look on a case by case basis, uh, you know, the last three years have, have you know, disproportionately impacted certain players. And again, I, I would echo what you say. It's not as an, an excuse, but when we look at some of the development paths of, of these players, particularly recent draft picks, it's just been a little bit uneven because of what's happened in the industry over the last three years. Yeah. And I know you haven't announced or decided where everyone's going to start, what level they're going to start at, but you know, you've said that. Once you're at Double A, you're you're not too far. You can get to the majors pretty quickly, and we've seen that in the past too. Who who do you like? Imagine your your Double A kind of group. You know, you can even add probably someone. You know, people who start in Triple A too. But like uh, Farhan's eye, he's looking at like like these are guys that are going to be smoking in Double A right now. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot of the guys that. Um you know, that we, we have on that non-roster list, but, you know, Kyle Harrison and Casey Schmidt, I, I would anticipate those guys actually starting in triple A. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a guy like Von Brown who will probably be in double A. We had a lot of good young position players um, on that Eugene uh, team last year that we expect to be in Richmond in double A this year, you know, Luis Matos and Marco Luciano, um, both being on the 40 man roster, we have an added incentive to keep those guys moving. And so I would anticipate them either starting the year in Richmond or, or being there in, in short order. And, and that's, you know, that's another um, sort of uh, point of leverage in terms of accelerating, uh, you know, the movement of some of these players, once they're on the 40 man roster, you have, you know, more of an incentive to move them along and at least have them, be in a position to provide depth to the major league roster since they're already on the 40. All right, Fon, I again, appreciate all these questions, all this conversation. I will end this with a version of the question you've been asked many times. And I've asked all my guests on the show, Baron Zaidi, what's your favorite TV show right now? I know you're love watching some stuff. What, what's your favorite one? Yeah, I guess the, you know, the popular answer is the last of us, the, yes. the series on HBO based on video game that, that everyone's watching, but you know, I'll go a little bit um, 
off off the uh, off the predictable answer and say Poker Face, the new show on uh, on Peacock uh, starring Natasha Leone. Uh, really enjoyed the first few episodes of that show. I think it's a lot of fun, and so uh, that's uh, that's at the top of my list right now. That's uh, that's like one yeah, B, right? Like all the talked about shows. One A, Last of Us, which is I'm a Last of Us person, but I hear really yeah. good things about. Uh, and she, Natasha Leon does really interesting stuff. So I'm definitely going to watch it. But I'm I'm a Last of Us guy right now. It's been it's been terrific. <laughs> but I asked you, you didn't ask yeah, me. No, you, <laughs> right? No, I, I I think they're both uh, both must watches right now. So uh, we had a little bit of lull in the prestige TV department. So it's nice to have these shows uh, carrying the load right now. Come on, streamers. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. <laughs> All right. Listen, that's uh, appreciate the conversation as always, Farhan. I know it's about to get super busy down. Well, it's always busy for you, but uh, I do appreciate you giving the time. And thanks for talking. Absolutely. Anytime. All right, everybody. That's the show for today.